0: are listening to The Currency. Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and I'm thrilled to have you along. Thanks for joining me. I'm a brand and marketing strategist, but by night, I'm a podcaster, and uh, (laughs) I'm thrilled to have you guys along today because I have a guest. Her name is Shannon Joy, and she's the executive producer and host of The Shannon Joy Show. If you are a Rochester Uh, Monroe County native. You are familiar with this show. She's a radio personality here. She broadcasts daily on WHAM 1180. And in fact, that's where we're recording this today. This is kind of a first for me, recording in an official radio studio. It's kind of exciting. She also broadcasts on WKAL 1450 AM in upstate New York. Shannon is a regular contributor to The Blaze TV, and her work has been featured in Breitbart, The Daily Wire, The Strident Conservative, and The Blaze. She addresses a wide range of political topics on a radio show and draws from her experience as a business owner, political analyst. She is married to her husband, Jeffrey, and has three children, Jack, Mimi, and Teddy.
1: (laughs) They're adorable. Shannon, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's not often that I get to be interviewed, so this will be fun.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of the turning of the tables. There's a little bit of pressure, though. How long have you been a radio personality?
1: I launched my radio program six and a half years ago out of a tiny little radio station in Avon, New York. It was literally a... Double wide trailer in a cornfield, <laughs> and that's where I cut my teeth in radio. I had been a a marketing consultant in advertising in the Rochester area mm-hmm. for about thirteen years prior. I sold billboards, bus wraps, radio advertising, television advertising. I was at the back of the house, so to so to speak in the in the business uh, side sure. of broadcasting, and. A turn of events, you know. Sometimes things just happen. At at one point, it was right around that Tea Party Revolution, mm-hmm. when uh, you know Americans were rising up and focusing on liberty and the Constitution, and they were dissatisfied with, with what was happening in Washington D.C. And I was part of that crowd. And through volunteering and getting to know some people in the area, you know, they gave me an opportunity to to start a radio program, and. When the owner of that radio station said, hey, you know, I think you should have a radio program and I think it should be daily. I was employed at the time. I was working uh, three days a week, but it was a full-time job. And I was contributing financially to the household about 50%. So Mm -hmm. I said to him, well, this is great. I'm going to be a radio star. I love it. How much can you pay me? And then there was silence. And he said, oh, well, well, you know, we can't pay you anything. (laughs) And so, um, you know, so I said, well, let's put a pin in that. And just hold on to that, for, that idea for a little while sure. because I can't quit my job and, sure. and launch this. But after that opportunity was presented, I began to talk to some of my clients about that opportunity mm-hmm. and some of my bigger clients that I had worked with for over a decade. And one after another after another said, Shannon, you have to do this. You were born to do this. It just makes sense. And so I was able to bring over about four advertisers. And that's why when I introduced them, you know, as the executive producer of the show, I I also fund it, right? So I was able to bring them in. They signed on for a year because none of us had any idea about whether I could even do radio. I had never had a radio show. Mm -hmm. Um, I was passionate about politics. I studied politics. I was commenting all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a test year. And At the end of that year, they were happy, and I was happy, and the audience was happy, and that kind of took off. In about within five years, I had increased the advertiser base from four to about a dozen, which was all that I could manage at that time. You know, because I'm I'm a one person show, and uh, we increased the ratings. uh, We really took the business. And and expanded it from one radio station to nine across the region in a a small syndication, and so I just recently moved over to WHAM, which is bigger than all of them combined. And so that was that's been pretty exciting. But yeah, it was you know I'm an accidental radio host, so to speak. But it's been a, a fun ride, a
0: happy accident. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you today. You know, we could talk. I think there's so many directions we could go with the discussion. We could talk about politics and how they're seeping into marketing and branding. That's kind of the focus of my show is marketing and branding. But one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize when we hear radio personalities, we see TV stars, that type of thing. We just assume like your first question, like, well, how much can you pay me? Right. That the station is employing you, that you're popular and uh, receiving a really lovely income,-
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the fact is you're running a business, yeah, and so I'm really fascinated today to kind of get into the story or and, and some of the insights around what is it like to build a business around a personal brand mm-hmm. to build a platform to build an audience, but then they have that responsibility to to pay the bills and yeah. to make it a an economic viably yeah uh, effort.
1: Well, it, it's what, what I'm doing is very unique, and I haven't been able to find anyone in the nation that is is using this model yet. Um, but the model of the business, with with me going out and hustling every day, mm-hmm. pitching and bringing new clients in, it's that model that gives me the independence that I need mm. to cut through the market.
3: Okay.
1: Most radio hosts, most journalists are employed. And in order to to rise up in the in the radio business, or even if you want to be a, a news reporter or a journalist, typically there's there's a structure. You start in a C market, yep. and you you're a beat reporter, and you do you know the state fair or the local fair or the, you know the the, the donkey <laughs> the contest, contest right. and you cut your teeth there. And then you move to a slightly bigger market, and then a okay. slightly bigger market, and then you if you're lucky, you'll end up in an A market, and then maybe you'll make it to Fox News. Okay, maybe you'll make it to CNN. It's okay. very un- usual. But there's a, a structure to it. And when, you know, I looked at that structure with my husband and my family. I'm a Rochester native mm-hmm. and I love it here. And I didn't want to move my children from sure. market to market to market. And it just didn't fit in in my life. And that was almost an accident. When I first started the program, I grudgingly went out and sold and, and got the underwriters. But I, my mission was to get hired, to right. actually get paid right. to do this. And it, so was, it was a
0: means to an end. It
1: was a means to an end. But what I've realized now, when you look at any given radio host or, or television host, they have a lot of bosses, right? They're coming on the air every day, but they have, they have producers, they mm-hmm. have program directors, they have CEOs, they have uh, stakeholders sure. and, and board members, they have advertisers, they have other people who are in, in the business with them, they have a brand that they're trying to fit into, right? Mm-hmm. If you're on Fox News, you can't do the, the Democrat thing. And so they have, to, they have to tailor everything they say and everything they do to all of those different bosses. And you know who comes last. The audience.
0: (laughs) Right.
3: Right? right. The
1: audience comes last because there are all of and and that informs their their analysis and their commentary. I wanted to build something that was so closely connected to the audience so that I could keep in touch with them, that I was always delivering to the audience the truth and analysis that wasn't based on a political party or a, a certain genre or the brand of a station, but was just authentic. And being my own entity and being able to bring in new advertisers, say I say something stupid and get boycotted and I lose an advertiser. Well, because I'm able to go out and find new advertisers, it it doesn't affect me as much. Mm -hmm. You'll always be able to find an advertiser. So it gives me an ultimate freedom of expression. And I think that's what cuts through in terms of marketing. You know, I think it was George Orwell that said, "Maybe, or if it wasn't someone smart, in times of universal deceit, the truth is a revolutionary act." Sure, yeah. And so this model allows me to cut through all of the other radio hosts because I'm not serving any other masters. It's just me and the audience. And yeah, I have to take care of my advertisers. Yep. It has to be a good show. It has to be compelling and interesting. But you know, there, you know, I'm not dealing with all the other elements um, that that come into political commentary. So it's, it's very different.
0: So you've been doing this for about six months, and I know you were on another station a while back uh, before before the whole Trump thing kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. Now, when I started hearing you on the radio, I think I found you around the topic of Common Core. That was kind of a big thing in education. Mm-hmm. That's when I started listening, my wife started listening, mm-hmm. and, and I just you, you kind of were on the radar a little bit. After the Trump uh, election, I think the political landscape changed for everybody. Yeah and i'm just i want to talk a little bit about how that impacted you from a business perspective i mean there's the because you have a very specific brand yeah and i think that impacted that somehow
1: yeah the, you know the brand that i set out was really authenticity and it was it was radio commentary as an exploration Of the political landscape, but in search of the truth Mm -hmm. and coming to the radio station every day, getting behind the microphone and telling my audience the truth. It's not always what they want to hear. It's not always what I want to hear, mm-hmm. quite frankly, because, you know, with, with politics, it's a dirty business and there's a lot of betrayal. There are a lot of broken promises. And I, I began to learn that as I cut my teeth in radio at um, that other radio station. And the Trump thing, the, the, the Trump election, first, you know, his winning the primary and then his election was, was a game changer. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was uh, revolutionary, Mm -hmm. and it has changed politics in a way that I never imagined it could be changed, but not necessarily in a a good way. Um, President Trump came in and saw the same market that I saw, the same market that the Tea Party saw, and the same market that a lot of radio hosts saw, that the Republicans and the Democrats were essentially the same party. I call them the unibrow,
2: like a
1: nasty, gnarly unibrow (laughs) that has grown together over time and you can't can't distinguish the two anymore. And I had been talking about on that, that on the radio program, frustrations after, uh, you know, Obama was president, but the Republicans had won the House and they had won the Senate. And there were all sorts of things they could do politically
2: mm-hmm.
1: to, to move forward, to push forward constitutional liberty and, and, you know, checks and balances. And they just wouldn't do it. And people were waking up to that. Mm-hmm. They were looking back at the, at the Clinton administration and the Bush administration mm-hmm. and the Obama administration and saying, how are you guys really different? Right. Like rhetorically, they're different and they fight. But if you look at the at the legislation that is passed, it's virtually identical. Mm -hmm. And so Trump, who is a brilliant marketer, he's not a conservative. He's not a Republican. He really is for most of his life a a liberal Democrat and Mm -hmm. quite progressive. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But he's also a good business person and a great marketer. Mm -hmm. And he saw that market, that niche that I saw. It was essentially an, an emerging market that had figured out the game, they figured out that Democrats and Republicans were playing us, fighting in the boxes on CNN and Fox News, right? But afterwards, going to get a martini down at, at the local bar and, and you know, you know, stuff in their pockets, lining yeah. their pockets and consolidating their power. That is the true nature of Washington, D.C. And that's actually the true nature of most state politics. It's essentially a power sharing operation mm-hmm. between two entrenched political parties that are ultimately and completely corrupt. And so Trump nailed it. And that's why he won. That's why he won the primary, despite all of the problems that he had personally. And all of the contradictions and all of the hypocrisies, evangelical Christians were very um, important in his election, especially in in the southern states and that primary. And they were willing to look the other way because they so understood the true dynamic, which is the unibrow. He called it the swamp. And he came in, but ultimately... He's not a conservative. Right, And so the, what he identified and he, he successfully marketed, when he got into office, he fell right into it and linked arms with all of the typical swamp monsters, endorsed Mitch McConnell, who is the, the head of the Senate, endorsed all of these big rhino Republicans that just a few months ago he was bashing. right. Um, but he's been brilliant in continuing to, to market to his base despite what's actually happening in Washington, D.C. And so it's really a canard it's it's these false fights about issues we were such a divided nation at this point mm-hmm. um, but really Washington DC is churning and burning and so for my brand at that moment when that happened I had to make a choice mm-hmm. because if you're a conservative and you're on talk radio and you have a Republican and he's up against Hillary Clinton and you're criticizing that Republican president you're telling people the truth about his past and his rhetoric and the policy prescriptions that he's offering, and you're saying to him you're saying to your audience, this isn't gonna work, that is a very dangerous place, especially for a fledgling radio host right. like myself. Right. I wasn't really established. I'm still not quite established. And and so I had to make a decision, am I gonna fall in to the Trump train? Even though I know cognitively, even though I'm paying attention to the bills, I'm paying attention to the legislation, I'm looking at actual discernible policy outcomes in opposition to the rhetoric conveying that to the audience and still keeping my show was a very tricky proposition and i decided you know if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right (laughs) and i'm gonna tell the truth and if it means i lose my radio show then it's a great ride Mm -hmm. it's a great ride and i'll move into something else i'm i'm faithful i'm a christian and I do believe that the Lord, at least, you know, from from my perspective, will direct my life in any way sure. that He wants me to go. Sure. And as long as I'm doing those things, as long as I'm diligently researching and looking for the truth and telling the truth and trying to articulate it in a way that helps people understand, then then he'll move me to where I need to be. So I'll do the hard work, but ultimately it's up to him. And I just made that decision and, and that was really my brand. The brand of my program is is authenticity. And telling the truth, even when it's really hard, even when I might risk losing my show, mm-hmm. and it was very difficult at the—I call it the—the the radio station that shall not ever be mentioned. <laughs> okay. It was difficult there, sure, because uh, the owner of that station was diehard Trump train, sure. and he was also the producer of my show, and it—it it made for some very contentious, very contentious yeah. on-air live moments where we were going back and forth. And, and he really was not happy with the direction I was taking because people were looking at me saying, you're going you're gonna to lose this election. Here I'm in New York State. doesn't matter what happens in New York State. Right. But you, know, you know, your voice, because you're telling the truth, you're going to make it so that Hillary Clinton wins. And so you're a, a Democrat. And it was pretty vicious. The, the response and the feedback at that time was scary, quite frankly, because I'm, I'm saying to myself, I could lose all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stuck to that brand you know, and and you can call it a brand, but it's also just me, yeah. <laughs> right? But you
0: are your brand, yeah. Sure.
1: And so, um, it ended up it ended up working out, but it's still precarious. We're moving into another election, and I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. People get crazy the the every day that goes by that you get closer to a national election, yeah. people lose their minds a little bit. So, yeah.
0: well, it's I I it's very interesting because uh, you know I'm seeing a lot of brands take on social causes so so when i'm listening to you you're a personality you have a brand people come to you to hear a certain thing they there's a promise there's kind of an implicit promise that you're making and this trump election comes along and you have to sit as a brand and as a person a human being and say okay what do i really believe in and what am i going to stick to and what am i willing to like some things i'm willing to let go but other things i'm not if, and I think you're accurate in your assessment. There are a lot of groups that said, "Look, there are some things that we don't like, but we're willing to let those go because it's more important to win right now mm-hmm. than to not." You were saying, "Look, I have my integrity. I, I just, I have to tell the truth." Yeah. So, you're. I'm. I'm thinking about some of these other brands, like I, you know, we've talked before. I brought up Gillette, uh, mm-hmm. Converse sneakers. Right. Some of these brands are embracing uh, Nike, for yeah. example, embracing social justice causes and progressive ideas and whatnot. I can't help but look at that and say, well, they're benefiting from it. They're embracing these things to kind of get a slap on the back from the population, say, attaboy. You took a stand in the other direction. It cost you something. Yeah. So what what kind of went through your head as you said, okay, how do I find my audience? I had this audience that is seemingly jumping on with Trump. Right. I don't know that you're a specific audience, but the Republican kind of conservative Mm -hmm. audience. What went through your head? Like what, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna rebuild? What was your thought process?
1: Well, it it was again coming in every day and being authentic with the audience and saying really um in in some ways, humbling myself a little bit hmm. to them, especially after Trump won, because I didn't think that he would I was wrong in my analysis. I was drastically wrong. So what did in my you think analysis. he wasn't gonna win? I didn't think he had a chance of winning. Wow. Okay. I didn't think he had a chance of winning. I didn't
0: early on, I thought this guy's a clown. Yeah. But then, you know what? For me, and I don't. I want to hear your. I, when I saw that the media was just running him twenty four seven because he was such a spectacle, right? I thought this guy's got a shot.
1: He's got a shot. Yeah. And and I missed that. A lot of people missed it. But it was, you know, the day after the election, coming into the the studio and telling my audience I was I was wrong. Mm. You know, and and y'all made a decision. It's not the decision because I didn't vote for Trump. Right. I didn't vote for Trump because he's a liberal progressive. Democrat. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't vote for him, but I, you know, I had to come into my audience and say, you know, I, I was wrong about this. Maybe I'm wrong about him. And so let's work our way through the next couple of years and, see, yeah, and a see a what happens. Yeah. Let's give him a shot. And I'm going to do my best to give him the benefit of the doubt. I made the decision at that moment to not attack him on personality, to not attack him on the periphery, to not go after him for silly little things that, that I don't think really matter. What I decided at that moment was, I'm gonna look at discernible policy outcome. I call it the DPO and show me the DPO. I I wanted to really look at the type of legislation that he put through or that he didn't put through. And so we really just began then to walk down the process. I look at myself now almost as an observer of politics because I don't really sit in either. Mm. I'm I'm liberty-oriented and constitutionalist.
0: Did you you feel... Previous to this, that you were on one side or the other? Oh, sure.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Same. I started listening when I was nine or 10 years old. So I call myself a Rush baby. Okay. I wasn't really a baby, but yeah, I got kind you. of. Yeah. And I was a fan of, of talk radio my entire life. So I've okay. always loved politics. And I. I voted Republican in every election that I ever voted in. I always I always voted. I supported Republican politicians. I supported George W. Bush. It was right around the time when Barack Obama won, and we were, we were all looking. We were looking at the Patriot Act, and we were looking at the expansion of Medicare Part D. Right. We were looking at all the big government programs that came out of the Bush administration, kind of sitting back saying, wait, wait. If you were to line Bush up with Clinton, right, if you were to take their— Their heads, swap their heads. You did
2: a blind test. Or put a a
1: paper bag test, which I do. I do pay this. I say, pretend this politician has a paper bag over their head. And I walk through the audience with this. And if you were to do that with Bill Clinton and George Bush, you would find that Bill Clinton legislated to the right.
3: Yeah, of George W. Yeah. Bush, he was yeah. actually
1: more conservative. Yeah. He did um, the the RIFRA, which was the yeah. the, the uh, protection of marriage. He he did the welfare reform. Welfare reform, yeah. you know, there were and and President Bush basically just blew up. I mean, the Patriot Act was a disaster, a disaster in terms of personal liberty and privacy. And so, you know, right around that time. You know, it, that was when, when I began to kind of realize, you know, something something was up here. But so I I decided to take that approach with President Trump and really just come to the radio station every day in an honest exploration and, and, and work through it with the audience. And what I was able to do there when I'm not bashing you Trump humpers, you Trump fans, <laughs> you're, right. because there are a lot of never Trump people out right, there who right. just had ultimate disdain for anyone who voted for Trump. You're a hypocrite. You're not standing on principle principle. principle, and it was a very contentious. I wasn't going to do that. I was going to say, you know what? You made a decision, and and you're trusting this guy, and I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect you as an audience. Now, you're not going to hear from me what you want to hear every day, but I can promise you I'm going to tell you the truth. And that allowed me to keep the audience, Hmm. even though it really ticked off the the owner of the radio station. I built my audience. In fact, some of our best ratings came after that. And so I was able to retain most of that audience and build upon it as I brought libertarians into the fold and some never-Trumpers into the fold. And I was able to begin to cobble together that, that new audience. And I think that's what people want. That's the thing. I don't – if you talk to Republican strategists, if you talk to the the head guys at Salem Media, which is one of the biggest syndicators mm-hmm. in the country, mm-hmm. there was a dictate that went out right after Trump won that primary. And they had all of their radio hosts on a big conference call. And they said to them in no uncertain terms, we're not bashing Trump anymore. He is the Republican candidate. The audience doesn't want it. They were telling their radio hosts that they've assessed the audience. We're all a bunch of Neanderthals. We really don't care about policy. We don't care about principles. We just want to put on a red hat and bash the blue team. That's all we want. Right. So you can come on and you support the president, support the president, make fun of Democrats, complain about the media. This is the model. That is conservative talk radio. It is it is complaining all the time and it's outrage all the time. There's never solutions. And so when they you know they tell their audience or you know, their hosts this is the way it's gonna be, right? They're gonna that's what they do. Yeah. And so this and so, you know, I went in in a different direction because I I don't believe that analysis of our demographic. I think radio listeners are smart. I think that they are frightened about what Democrats are going to do, but you know they 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 think a little more than I think some of the big wigs, w- big wigs give them credit for
2: hmm.
0: So it's interesting you said you had your biggest ratings after yeah, uh, and you made that commitment and and clearly, there was something in your in your promise you know to me, a brand is a promise mm. it's an expectation if 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 I'm buying a product from Wegman's, you know, we all love Wegman's here in Rochester. And uh, there's a promise. There's an experience I'm expecting to have right. when I walk in the door. Your market surprisingly responded positively. To your biggest ratings after this all happened. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? What, is it they were just hungry for the truth? Um, yeah. Were there a lot of just people angry at Trump? What, what do you think they're responding to?
1: I think, number one, it was interesting it was interesting so it was and different it was different. Than what everybody else is saying. Right, and yeah. everyone, you can you can turn on Rush, you can turn on Sean, you can turn on Laura Ingram, you can turn on any given radio host on the right, and you're going to hear the exact same show. cheerleading squad. You're going to hear the cheer squad, yeah. the pom pom boys and girls who are yeah. out there uh, betraying their principles on a daily basis. Right, things that they would never ever support. Yeah. Now they're supporting, um, and so I think that there was just an element of. This girl's different.
0: So you're different. So that's one thing. You're standing out because you're a unique voice. And what else do you think was going on?
1: I think that I I had also nurtured the relationship with my audience. And it was very important to me. I have a very, very large presence. Well, relatively large for a, a local regional radio host on Facebook and Twitter. And I de- really developed that. I spent a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter talking to my audience, getting their feedback, debating with them about Trump, and, and really trying to understand – where they were coming from, and I think the the idea that I was able to um, understand them a little bit more, it wasn't so off-putting. Mm-hmm. They could take the, the criticism from me because I had great respect for them and I understood that it was their decision, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you the truth anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: for whatever reason, that was more palatable, I think, than some of the other never-Trumpers who go in and bash Trump supporters. Right no one wants to be called stupid. You can't call their baby ugly. That's right. a marketing. I mean, that's a sales lesson. Right, right. Like you don't walk in if you're, you know, if, if I'm walking into an advertiser and he does television and billboards and I want to sell him radio, I don't walk in and say television sucks and billboards suck because right. that's what he does. Right. right. So you don't want to call his baby ugly, but you want to come in and start to talk to him about my baby. Right. Who's pretty. <laughs> yep, yep. I have a pretty baby too. Yeah. You want to snuggle it? <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, but that was, and so you know, I I didn't want to, I didn't want to insult the audience. Now, sometimes, quite frankly, that you know that works. Yeah. Doctor Laura Lessinger was, yeah, brutal. Yes,
2: yeah, she was. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, so, I mean, and and yeah. that works. Inside. it just wasn't going to work in in this moment.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the audience, uh, you know, it, I think it's unfair. To assume that people are stupid based on their choice,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, right. I mean,
0: people. I think people voted for Trump for very good reasons. If you talk to the individuals and you listen to their reasons, you might rank order your reasons differently. Mm-hmm. But if you listen, you go, okay, I get why this person made this decision. I could say the same for a progressive or a liberal mm-hmm. or a Democrat. You know, I if I listen, I go, okay, I understand why they vote. I don't agree necessarily, but right. I get it. Right. And I think we've lost that kind of discourse, even even in our commercial dealings these mm-hmm. days. It just seems like. You're either in or you're out, and it's well, a tough. It's a tough world that way.
1: I think we're in a very extraordinary time. I know everyone thinks that they're in, living in extraordinary yeah. time, but I think this is a particularly extraordinary time where we truly are truly divisive, and people are in different planets in terms of worldview and politics. Even though if they were to look at each other's lives, they would live. They're living their lives very similarly. Exactly. But we've been convinced. That that there's an enemy out there, and the enemy is a D, right? And the D's have been convinced that there's an enemy out there, and it's and it's the R, and so that leads to the the politicization of everything. And this is why you mentioned these big corporations who are going political. Everything's going political. Uh, Your school board is political. Your local town board is political. Your zoning board. Your library is political. Drag queen. You know. LGBTQ sessions. You know, for kindergartners in in your library, we can't escape politics right now. And I think it's I think it's because the federal government has become so expansive. Mm-hmm. It's not just personal welfare that they're doling out that conservatives have a problem with. But there's an enormous amount of corporate welfare, oh, an absolutely. enormous amount of corporate subsidy, an enormous amount of, of grants and subsidies and, and special tax privileges. Yeah. And that 99,000-page tax code is a is a gimme to some of these big, sure. massive global corporations because they can hire scores of attorneys and accountants to go through and find out ways to not pay any taxes. Right. So there's there's – the, this coming together, people used to think that you know business operated and then there was government, and they were fighting each other right? and it used to be like that
0: we're more corporatist now but there's, there's it's marriage. corporatist yeah. now
1: and it's and they scratch each other's backs, yeah and so if there's a political dictate that goes out about lgbtq gay marriage or any of the social issues right. when you have stakeholders and shareholders it's not private companies anymore with one guy who believes something you're you have essentially the collectivization right. of business right and so that leads to them falling into whatever the culture is dictating and so that's why you're seeing gillette Mm-hmm. with politically motivated ads. That's why mm-hmm. you see ma- these major corporations. It's a it's a very serious problem. It's very similar to what we saw in Germany during uh you know the, the Nazi reign. Yeah, and
0: that was a corporatist economy.
1: It was a right-wing yeah. corporatist economy, but it was essentially the same, you know, people say communism versus socialism, same thing. So
0: here's yeah, so here's where I'm going to get into trouble. So this is totally yep. a branding and marketing podcast. We're going all politics all the time here, I guess. I, I view Germany as a left-wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they were socialists. I mean, they're yes, national they were. socialists and they're yep. essentially left-wingers. I, they always get kind of r- r- branded as right-wingers. And, of course, that epithet is used against conservatives today.
1: Right. Well, you know but, what the trick was. The branding trick and i fell for this was to call them fascists yeah that confused everyone yeah right they were everyone so thinks they,
0: fascist means right winger which it doesn't necessarily i don't
1: even know what a fascist is it's a, it's i it was i swear i think it's a thing that progressives invented and they put in all the textbooks to confuse all of us because socialism really is, social is socialism is the government controls all industry sure communism is all the people can own everything but you need a government to control it all so well, the so government controls industry right. they are they are they are two sides of the same coin the opposite of the spectrum is liberty and anarchy and so we've all learned the incorrect political spectrum in school right we place you know fascists on the right and communists on the left when the fascists, the communists, and the socialists are all on the left, yeah, it yeah. would be a, a constitutional republic or anarchy on the right. Yeah. Zero government. Yeah. Zero government versus is all the extreme. government. Is yeah. the extreme.
0: Yeah, and to me, communism is like a global socialism. So socialism yep. is, you know, we're Germans, we want to be socialists, we don't care what you do. Communists are, Communists are. We. the world has to be yeah. socialist. And uh, yeah, this is fascinating. I... Um, I, I think it, you've kind of gone full circle, whether you realize it or not, because you open up talking about how having your own business gives you freedom mm-hmm. to say what you feel you need to say. Yeah. Independent. And to be true to your brand and to your values. Um, and that it, it's the large corporations. If you work for a large corporation, you can't necessarily say what you need to say because are all these other interests that control yeah. and have input and yeah. and you either have to make a decision like I'm just going to bite my lip and get on with the program or I'm going to go my own way. Right. And so here we are full circle in the discussion. Well, uh, and at this
1: it. at this point in my career I probably could get a job as a radio host and, and get paid for it but I would never do it. I would mm. never do it. And so my structure here at iHeart um again it's I think might be one of the only ones in the nation that that is doing it this way, but I contract with them, and so I pay them for my hour, and then I go out and I bring in all my advertisers, and I sell advertising, and it's a it's a great relationship. It truly is a, a partnership, and the folks at iHeart. Here I am working with this big corporation. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't I didn't sell out. Don't worry. Um, but they really the good thing about a corporation is they just look at the bottom they line. See the they, see, they, to the table. they see the value. They see sure. they see the value, and you know if if the bottom line works for them, then it even quite frankly gives them a layer of protection as well because you know if i say something and they get calls on it people they can, it, people are grand, they can yeah. say well you know she's an advertiser she's yeah. you know and so it gives them a layer and it's to me it's the healthiest healthiest way to do radio because it well I, you know the honestly the healthiest way would be a direct transaction with the audience mm. and so i'm building that i have a website the where I invite people to come in and subscribe. So it's $3 a month, 24.99 for the year, and they pay directly, not much, but they pay directly for the con- for the content. I think in my mind that would be the purest form of a radio show if if I were supported completely by, you know, the audience and it's too small now for that to be feasible. But then you would take out the threat of boycott and the, you know the advertising pressures and, and everything like that. So
0: I don't know, Shannon it sounds kind of like a podcast to me. <laughs> I, I
1: mean and so I, I'm building that. you know it's it's sure. it's there's I really wear I have I, I joke all the time people ask me what they do. I, I say I'm a salesperson with a radio show mm. <laughs> And so I, I wear a lot of hats and I'm incredibly busy. Uh, Just because I'm, you know, I'm everything, and I think small business owners would, you know, they're they're the janitor and the the cleaner and the accountant and the marketer. Exactly, you know, so people who own their own business can understand, you know, you're kind of doing everything. But I have preferred, I, you know, I I haven't shot out of the cannon. It's not like I'm this amazing success story. I've I've preferred kind of a slow and steady, authentic growth that is that is feasible and that allows me to continue. To, to push forward my brand. And where that takes me, who knows? I really do. I, I have, I would love, I mean, people, you want to be famous. I don't know. I don't know if I really do. I'm very happy doing it just like this. And as long as I can do this, I'll do it, you know, and see what happens.
0: My guest today is Shannon Joy. She is the executive producer and host of the Shannon Joy Show. Guys, make sure to check out the show you can go to the website is theshannonjoy.com. All the info is there. You can also follow Shannon on Twitter. Just look for at Shannon Joy Radio. We'll be back with Shannon Joy in just a moment. Folks, thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of The Currency. Hopefully you're having as much fun listening as I am interviewing today's guest. We're going to get right back to the show in just a minute, but I want to ask you for two really easy, really quick favors. The first is, if you haven't already, please subscribe. The Currency is delivered weekly, and if you enjoy branding, strategy, marketing, a little bit of entrepreneurship, then this is the show for you. Just go over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, anywhere the five podcasts are provided, and hit that subscribe button. You'll get The Currency delivered hot and fresh to your digital device of choice every week. Now, the second thing I'm asking is for you to leave a review. It really helps the show get found. Every time someone leaves a review on iTunes or Spotify or any of these platforms, it signals both to the platform and to their audiences that this is a podcast worthy of attention. It helps promote the podcast, and it helps potential listeners know if this is something that they should invest their time in. So if you wouldn't mind, take a moment, subscribe, and leave a review. It helps me out immensely. Now, let's get back to today's show. And we're back. We're with Shannon Joy today. She's the host and executive producer of the Shannon Joy Show. We're talking a little bit about politics, just a little bit. It's kind of a departure for this show, but I'm really excited to have this conversation. And we're talking about how Shannon has uh, decided to double down on, on her brand and stick with her brand values, essentially, that it was truth, regardless of the political climate and the, the impact of that. So Shannon, welcome back. I want to I want to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts. So this is the audience uh, building and you know putting your brand out there. That's interesting. I'm kind of curious as an entrepreneur, as a as a as a marketing person, what's it like to go out and sell advertising when you're so politically charged in this environment?
1: It's interesting because. At at first, it eliminates a a certain amount of prospects. There are certain prospects I just can't walk into. And
0: it's probably more than half in our yeah. town. No, <laughs> seriously.
1: Yeah, if you, and especially in New York State, which is yeah. true true blue liberal, uh, and in Rochester, you're going to eliminate you know a whole host of advertisers that that will not you know, ever look at advertising right. on a conservative talk radio station. But then
0: you, you slice that pie even thinner. Well, sure. Right, because you're saying, "Hey, I'm not going to jump on the Trump bandwagon. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a never Trumper. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to s- sing well, his praises necessarily. Well,
1: and that omits every Republican that ever advertises. So, 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 so I, I, I lose all the political advertising. I lose all of the Republicans. And really, what I found most business owners, and see, this is another way that I've been able to protect myself. It's really interesting how how everything kind of developed. Um, I'm not underwritten by a Republican Party or a think tank or a political organization. If I were, they would have dictates. There would be certain things I could touch, but certain things that I couldn't touch. And so that's forced me to go out just into the, the business arena and talk to people who sell mattresses and people who sell cars and people who sell you know, education services and people who sell financial services. And most people are not really that political. Oh, you have a political show? OK, well, do you have an audience? Yes, I do. And then they're then fine they got, with They're fine with attention. it. Yeah. Now, I always prep my advertisers that they could get pushback. And I did get boycotted once. It was, uh, strangely enough, um, it was around the time we were talking about Black Lives Matters. And it, they were gonna have a political rally. And it's a leftist organization, a, a radical leftist organization, and they've espoused violence in, in many times. It's a national organization. And they had gotten into one of the local school districts and they were gonna have a rally, and a political rally. On a school camp, a public school campus, for this radical left wing organization, and so we mobilized, um, you know, with some of the people that I work, activists in the community, and and I was part of the opposition to that. It turns out that four or five of the women who were pro Black Lives Matter rally happened to buy their cars from the car dealership that was sponsoring me at the time, <laughs> and they embarked on they embarked on a a thirty day campaign. It was five people. Uh, but a thirty day campaign of daily emails, multiple phone calls we 're going to pull all of our business unless you cancel your advertising and I got the eleven o 'clock email shannon we 're so sorry, but we you know we have to cancel all of our advertising wow. that was fifty percent of my revenue at that Ouch, point i was yeah. about I was about two and a half three years in, and they were my they were one of my original underwriters and and contributed an enormous amount to the income. And so I freaked out like you normally would and and um, had to regroup. And, you know, that forced me to go out and to sell. You know, I had to make up that revenue. And what I learned in that instance was that there are always people who want to advertise. You just have to go out and find them. Mm. And it actually made me feel better, you know, because I was, I was able to. And, and lo and behold, I didn't, I was able to replace all of that advertising within a 30 to 60 day period. I went out and I hustled. And so, you know, I, I prep my clients that occasionally you might get a little bit of pushback. It's usually the a scenario where the, the, Bark is much, much louder and much more vicious than the bite. It's usually a small number of people, and they'll harass you for a little while. If you can push through it, then you're going to be fine. And that was the only time I ever got boycotted. That's the only time I've ever had a problem in six and a half years. I've never, ever had a problem um, with a client with something that I've said on the radio. I'm, I'm very disciplined, and I'm very careful and I'm I'm tough with my rhetoric, but I don't do shock radio. I don't do mean girl radio. I don't insult people. I don't call names. Yeah. When I was referring to to Obama during his years in office, I referred to him as President Obama. You
0: were disrespectful. I
1: was never disrespectful. So there, you know, there's a layer of protection that I have there, and I do that because I re- I I so value my advertisers, and I want to deliver to them a good product. And so there's a balance there, but there will always be you know, the fact that most of my clients are non-political. In fact, I don't think, half of them probably don't even vote. (laughs) They, they, you know, but, but they see the show, they see the success of the radio program, and my audience is amazing and they love my advertisers because they know they support me and so they want to give them business. I can't tell you how many times I have people email me and call me. What can we do to support you? How can we support you? How, you know, I have, for, for, at my website, I have a, a handful of people who give me monthly donations to support the program, they underwrite the program in in their own way, and so they the the audience wants to support the advertisers, and so it's a it 's a win win for everyone mm. in that situation. but I do have to hustle, and so it 's a daily i 'm selling every single week mm. you know i 'm always out there prospecting, finding new business you know, right now i 'm sold out completely. Of all of my in- inventory, yeah. which is a good problem to have. But you never know when someone's going to fall out. Sure. So I always kind of keep that funnel full. Sure. And it separates me a little bit from the politics, too, which I love. Sometimes if you're in politics, you can really go down those rabbit holes. And you can really get just you're, – you're so – isolated in this political world of political analysis that you forget about what's happening in the outside world. And so I think the engagement that I have with my clients and, you know, hearing about their businesses and promoting their businesses, copywriting and and closing and doing all the billing and all of that keeps me sane in a way and helps to keep me in the real world and not just this theoretical political world that, you know, a lot of radio hosts exist in.
0: That's a lot of work. I'm thinking about just producing a daily show Mm -hmm. is huge. Yeah. The prep that you have to do, the thinking, yeah. just so that you can be articulate and, and, and have insights, that's daily, about mm-hmm. well, five days a week. But yeah. you're not on the weekends, correct? Not on the weekends, just okay, uh, so f- Monday through Friday. So from, five days a week. Yeah. Then you've got to go out, you've got to find advertisers, okay. you've got to pitch them, close those deals, keep them happy. Manage There's them. There's account maintenance yeah. and all that jazz. Yeah. And you've got your audience. I mean, mm-hmm. you referred earlier, and I want to follow up on that, but you talked about one of the strengths of getting through, the we'll call it a crisis mm-hmm. as the election happened, uh, is your relationship to them. And that oh. doesn't happen without a lot of time as well. Let so me tell you. How you make you. that work?
1: Well, it's th- the first couple years of my program, I worked an enormous amount. Of, I mean, I would. And I you're would, a mom and a I'm wife. I'm a mom too. and a wife. Yeah. So I would come in, I re- literally, I, I would go in, I would do the show one hour a day, I would come home get the kids off the bus get them fed get dinner do bedtime and i would settle in about 9 or 10 o'clock every night and i would work till 2 or 3 in the morning yeah. and i studied and because i wanted to one of the 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 core components of of my show is taking really complex political things and making them simple to understand one of the ways that they're able to deceive us is with conf- confounding us with confusion sure. and things are everything is so complicated and so I had to do a lot of prep work in those first years. Where I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about, you know, for example, Russia, you know, um, annexing Crimea in Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you know, Russia coming in and and bullying their way into Syria. And in order to begin, and my education came with Benghazi. That's when I, you know, uh, but I had okay. to go back and. For me, I had to research the entire history of the Middle East. I had to go back to I mean, you know, 100 years, 200 years and get out the map and look at everything so that I could understand everything so I could articulate. So I did in every area whether it was foreign policy, education, healthcare, each time I addressed those topics, I would go in and just research all of it. I don't have to do that anymore. Because I did all of that heavy you built work, a foundation, and it, yeah. I built that foundation, and now I can—I can't always recall everything quickly, but I know where to go to find. I know the sources sure. that are non-political, that are you know tend to be independent, and I know how to look at a left-wing news article and line it up with a right-wing news article and parse out the truth, mm-hmm. and find out in the because you'll—they both have spin but there are truths in all of them that you can, that you can pull out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to learn how to read bills. I had to learn how to read executive memorandums. I had to learn, you know, there was just an enormous amount sure. of work. And I did, you know, all of that work. And so those were really, really busy years. And I'm still busy now. But it's a little bit easier because I had d- done all of that previous prep work. And so you know, I manage the best that I, that's why I'm small. I Even mean, people, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, there's not, I, I mean, dude, I'm doing as much as I can. At some point, yeah. at some point, I will hire someone. So you do want to grow. That was going to be one of my questions. Do yeah. you want to grow? Yeah, if it's right. Yeah. If it's right. It has to be on on my terms not because i'm being a brat about it but because i have a family and i have a faith and yeah. my order in life it's god first then my husband then my family then the show sure and the in the business and so i always keep that hierarchy in my mind mm-hmm. as i'm charting any course mm-hmm. and any type of decision that i make you know it has to work for my faith yeah. my husband my children and that's kept me kind of small Mm-hmm. It's kept me, um, you know, from growing. There's probably a lot I could do if I wanted to really push myself out. But I'm really okay with this type of growth. And so, you know, I'm a I'm a competitive person. I'm a I'm a motivated person. Mm-hmm. I'm always I competing. That, yeah. I, you know, I, and I I want to build things and create things. But I also know I have to do it in a way that is healthy. So that I'm not burning out. I've seen people burn out in this industry, and I've seen you know meteoric rises and spectacular falls. Hmm. And I think sometimes that's because you grow too fast.
0: And those falls aren't always career falls. Mm-hmm. You can crash in your yeah. personal life. Right. and You know, you're, you're a whole person. Yeah. Yeah. You see people get really successful too fast. Yeah. Um, that can be really challenging at times. Talk a little bit about the relationship piece. I want to go back where you said it was really the relationships. Because I think about brands. You know, People think of marketing as I'm trying to push something. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get you to buy something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, there's a guy named Mike Kim that uh, talks about branding. And, and he says that marketing is really the beginning of a relationship. You're opening up a relationship right. with, your, with your customer. Share a little bit about that. How did you do that and, and what did that look like?
1: It really was the advent of social media that allowed me to host the radio program, but also promote it and market it using social media. And that that relationship was built out of uh, just conversations online with people who were listeners, who were potential listeners, debating with them about Trump, going back and forth about vaccines or Common Core or education, and then through that process, getting to know them. And then we, you know, we'd have funny moments on, on social media at three o'clock in the morning where I'm down at the fridge eating banana cream pie because I'm so stressed about <laughs> politics, right? And then, you know, and we're all in this together and we really, you know, during the the uh, presidential campaign, the nomination process, I was a huge supporter of Ted Cruz.
3: Okay. And so
1: working with all of the folks who were trying to push through Ted Cruz and, and defeat Donald Trump, you right. know, you develop relationships. During Common Core, I associated with grassroots, conservative, sometimes Democrat, you know, but they were Liberty-oriented, love the Constitution, and, uh, you know, made connections with all of them. So in a lot of ways, I'm in the battle with people. I will also talk to, you know, I will talk to listeners. I've been known to give my cell phone out to listeners, okay. and people say I'm crazy. But, you know, I'll talk to them if they want to talk. I've had people reach out to me about problems that they're having with their school board. I'll go to the meeting with them and wow. sit with them okay. at their school board meeting. I'll activate with them. I'll go out and meet them. I'm I'm not— I don't like to close myself off to anyone. People say, "Aren't you afraid of the crazies?" and I, I'm not ever going to be afraid of my audience, ever. Mm-hmm. And I've really never had a bad si- situation. I've never, you know, people think you get stalkers and weirdos and some of them are a little weird, sure. but <laughs> I've sure. never I just have never had I've never had a bad situation with with a listener or someone online. But, you know, so it it really was just a relationship that was built over over time in tumult and trouble. And there were funny moments and contentious moments and and I think that solidified our relationship. It was critical when I, I can't even, I can't articulate this enough. It was absolutely critical when I was kicked off of the other radio station Mm -hmm. that shall not be named. And that was in December. It was in the end of November of last year. If I hadn't built that social media support and if I hadn't built my website and the subscription base where i have subscribers who, you know, donate to or they contribute to my paypal. I would not have survived that. I don't think i could have moved so seamlessly over to WHAM in such a short period of time. It was mm. that was critical because there was there was a narrative that was being put out by the other radio station. I was able to combat that narrative because I had the exposure on social media. I was able to go out and say, you know what? That's not what happened. This Mm -hmm. is the truth. And I was also able to rally support. Um, That audience contributed, I want to say, well over $4,000 in that month to me. They just sent me money to to keep us because my income was exploded. I mean, basically, I got a letter. 2 days after Thanksgiving, Ugh. don't show up on Monday. Yeah. You're done. You're you know we're we're canceling the contract or we're we're not renewing the contract, which was a huge surprise. And so it was over. I mean as 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 fast as it had grown, it was over in the matter of minutes, you know, after yeah. reading that letter. Yeah. And so it was, you know, I went on that Monday, it happened on a Saturday, I went on to Facebook, I did a Facebook Live that Monday, I wanna say it was over 10,000 views on that Facebook Live. And I just told the audience the truth right there you know the yeah. it, and it wasn't to bash anyone i don't even really think about it. i don't mention the other station anymore but it was to put out the truth here's
0: what's going that, on you,
1: you know they yeah. had, they thought i had abandoned them i had quit my job which was ludicrous and because of this this other narrative and he had the big radio station you know what did i have but i was able to combat that and i was also able to invite my audience to help me reposition the program onto a new station and i said to them you know at that time there are no guarantees um, I'm giving myself three to four weeks to try to find a new place. but again, husband first family, and I got to support the family. so I'm, I might have to go out and get a get a real job. <laughs> so, but so they contributed and that gave me that cushion. It was a necessary cushion for about thirty five days to work out the transition. and um, if it weren't for that, I don't think I would have a show
0: that's that's so powerful. I think there's so many companies that you know, and there's no fault for doing this. They're selling their product on someone else's platform. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're selling stuff on Amazon. They don't really have a connection to their customers, their market. They don't right. have a relationship. They have a brand. I go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I want that product. I know the brand. But if Amazon decides to say, well, you know, we're going to pull your product or we're going to do our own version of it, right. you don't have a relationship. You can't go to your marketplace and say, hey, folks, uh, yeah. we can still do business. So, that's really it's po- a powerful ad right there yeah. for for the ne- the necessity of of that relationship with your with your customers. And it's interesting, I'm just inferring, but it doesn't sound like you're using Twitter and Facebook just to blast out, here's my latest link. Oh no. You know, here's an article, you're engaging, you're talking, mm-hmm. you're laughing and crying with people, yep. you're letting them kind of get to know who Shannon Joy is mm-hmm. on some level. Yeah. And you're showing up, like you're showing up to events. Yeah. That's powerful. That's equity. Yeah. It's you know, it doesn't show up on your balance sheet. But it had a direct impact on your balance sheet in the long run.
1: Well, it's and it's 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 good for me too. You know, it it helps to for me to know and understand my audience. It makes for a better show mm-hmm. because I know where where they're coming from, and and I've had arguments with them, and and you know I can understand their perspective. I see your Facebook
0: comments, and you'll put something out there, and there's usually a good debate.
1: Oh sure. I mean it's time. a it yeah. is it's the Wild Wild West on yeah. my Facebook <laughs> page. <laughs> and we get rowdy. I'm I'm almost at the point. It's really hard for me to keep I mean, I have hundreds of comments between Facebook and Twitter. The messages and the comments. It's really hard for me to keep up with everything. I used to in the in the old days. I would I would like every single comment. I would go through sure. and I would like yeah. every single comment. Yeah. I would respond to every single comment. I think that helped, you know, build. I can't keep up with any of it. Yeah. I mean, it's there I mean, there are so many different debates happening on my Facebook page at one time. Just to keep track of the that, thread. That yeah. It's it's hard to even keep track of the thread, but but it's good because my listeners also find each other. And they've begun to collaborate, so and out of that listenership, we've had. I mean, the strident conservative David Leach has really pushed his his website, which is you know very similar to my brand. Okay. It's It's not pro Trump. Yep. Um, sometimes they, you know, he criticizes Trump. Um, you know, my relationship with Daniel Horowitz over at Conservative Review yep. and Steve Dace at Conservative Review, like that came out of social media. You need to meet this person. Mm. Daniel and I originally met on Twitter. Okay. And in fact, most of my best guests and a lot of my experts, I find, on Twitter and Facebook Megan Fox who I just had in uh, she's fantastic I found out she lives right here in in upstate New York oh
2: I had no idea she lives
1: she's right in the area she's a great writer she writes for uh, PJ Media which is a national uh, publication online publication and she's written a couple books and Mm. and I found her it was through a friend on Facebook and she messaged me Shannon you have to meet Megan Fox because blah 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 and I'm like I've been looking for an expert on CPS and vaccines and then all of a sudden we meet and so so, you know, a lot of that, um, you know, my resources and my, my insiders, people, you know, I have people in Washington, D.C. that feed me information. A lot of that comes out of, you know, that social media. And so it's been, it's been critical. It's been critical. What's
0: been the, the biggest surprise in a positive sense? What's been the um, biggest surprise going forward, taking this journey six years ago that you weren't expecting?
1: I think the biggest one of the biggest surprises, um, I, I was always afraid to wear my politics on my sleeve. In fact, I never envisioned that I would be a radio host. I was a political science major when I was a freshman and was so embarrassed because everyone in New York is a Democrat, right? And everything is so liberal. When I would listen to Rush Limbaugh, I'd roll up my window. I didn't want anyone <laughs> to know that I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. And so when I took that step from being a private citizen to a public citizen, I thought people are going to freak out. Like this is going to I'm going to get hate mail, I'm going to get, you know, m- my kid's coach is going to hate me, the, you know, I, because I was and I'm doing, I mean, I'm a conservative. I am a conservative. I mean, I'm I am to the right of of probably Rush Limbaugh, right? Yeah. And so, and I'm also a Christian to boot. So putting all of that out there was very weird. First sure. year was very strange, and I was afraid what i've realized is that people are very open even my de- even my democrat neighbors i have a democrat who lives next door who listens to the show he finds it to be interesting i have you know people coming up to me all the time saying i don't like what you're saying and i don't agree with what you're saying democrats saying this to me right but you're nice you're you're kind and and i can hear it from you know and and so it really has been you know my the way I view humanity is different. I think you know people people are open to it. And if if you're not playing the game, which is D versus R, two heads in a box, bashing each other's faces in, right. making everything about fear, everything about outrage, everything about you know the the evil Democrats. If if you're if you're telling the truth, people can hear it. They can hear it, and they can be okay. I, I, I'm okay with that.
0: And I think. I would assume, like, making yourself more uh, open publicly. Mm -hmm. So there's this big wall, there's this brand, there's this voice. Maybe I see a a mugshot sometimes, you know, but I really don't. Maybe your Instagram is always, look how great my life is. Right, right. But because you're engaging the public in a very open way, they can see more aspects of who you are, and they can say, okay, she came down pretty hard on this topic, which I don't like. But She seems like a really decent person. Yeah, Family seems like decent people. Right. She seems honorable, and I think that's the piece that's missing. I think that D versus R um, convention just gets us thinking. It's like a, you, you, D, you know, like I like to watch soccer, so I I, I like Barcelona. So okay. I watch Barcelona, right? Whenever my team commits a foul, oh, it was just an accident. He he was just coming a little hard, but he didn't mean it. Right. But if the other guys do something. He's. That guy should be kicked off the pitch.
1: He's a a monster. He's 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 going to break
0: someone's leg. What's wrong with these guys? That coach needs to get the team in order. And I think once you start realizing, like, no, we're people and we're just trying to live good lives. Now, some people are not. Some people are really trying to cause trouble.
1: Yeah. And there are. There's. I mean, there are change agents. There are are bad, bad, nasty political actors. Yeah. In, in most levels of yep. government, even locally here in Rochester, all oh, up sure. to the, the federal yep. government. And I think they local
0: politics sometimes are nastier yeah, than, and, uh, than yep. higher level stuff. And they know what they're doing. Yeah. They,
1: they know what they're doing. But most people most people want to be left alone. Yeah. Most people to want to live their life, they, yep. and they don't want the complication of government. And that's it. You know, government used to just take your money. Now, I mean, with the bills that they're passing, they're all up in your business. Well, it's they're totalitarian. In doctor- yeah, they're, they're
0: involved in every aspect of the human experience. Right. In New York yeah. State,
1: even with, like, the, you know, the vaccine laws, you know, Forced yeah. injections—that's yeah. crazy, yeah. right? When you think about it cognitively, that's yeah. nutty. Yeah. But um, because they've been able to just entrench themselves in our lives in such a profound way, it's very difficult um, for us to to get them out of our hair. Well,
0: and there's a whole other layer. My wife and I were talking last night over dinner. Uh, just things like chicken—the chickenpox vaccine, the flu vaccine—those used to be very optional. No one cared if you got it or you didn't get it. Right. Now, if you don't do them, people are just upset like you're going to get us all sick. And the thing that is surprising to me is like chickenpox is not fatal. No. The, the flu is for 99% of the population just an inconvenience. Yeah. I feel miserable. Yeah. I understand if you're 98 and compromised health, it's very dangerous. I get yeah. that. But that's, that's, those are very unique situations. But now there's just this mindset. That you have to do this, or else you're against the collective, and that's that cognitively is a little scary. Yeah,
1: me. I mean so it's it's that. for you know for the greater good, for the health of society, right. rather than the individual. And what they don't tell you is that there are you know a small percentage of children who die yeah. from routine oh, mandatory and, vaccines, and, 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 and
0: worse, yeah, and or Not have worse than die, but like yeah, the, the, the get all these serious and adverse reactions.
1: And, yeah. uh, and so, but you know the vaccine, and it's really interesting if you want to look at at propaganda, which I'm also very interested. In um, Edward Bernays and the advent of mass propaganda, much of what we see today is based on fear.
2: Absolutely, we are Absolutely. we
1: are taught to fear everything.
0: And I think both sides do. Both
1: and both sides do it. Yeah. That's that part of that unibrow. And so, in order to break through that, you know, m- my mission with the show is is that I am not afraid. You know I understand we might be facing tough times we might have economic ter- turmoil, we might have domestic turmoil. Mm-hmm. we might go to war. we might be in you know in, in World War three
2: right but
1: yeah. but you know that's not a reason to be afraid. you know we have gone through if you look at at history, there have been you know cycle after cycle after cycle of, of war and then peace and then what you know and and so once you look at that broad view it you think, okay, this is my time on earth and and it'll be okay. We're all going to die anyway. At some point, no one's and getting out of here no alive. One's, no one's going to make it out alive, and so there's no reason to fear. Right. There's no point to fear. It right. doesn't add one moment to your life. It doesn't add a penny to your to your pocketbook. It doesn't.
0: It actually, it actually works the opposite. Yeah, I, I owned an agency during uh, a creative agency during the economic crisis, and in within moments, literally a month or two, we went from our business was more than halved in revenue. Like wow, boom, and. As the owner, I got scared. I think we all did. I I don't know if everybody did, but and and I it occurred to me one day, metaphorically speaking, like I was just gripping. It was like a white knuckle ride. But what was happening was I was so fearful that it was making me inactive. I wasn't capable of just doing what I needed to do. And I just took a deep breath. I'm like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? And I said to my wife, well, maybe we end up with the kids back in mom's basement. You know, I'm in my 40s saying, but once I realized that was the worst that could happen, the fear went away. And then I was actually able, along with my employees, to make decisions and navigate out of the crisis. And the company rebounded and did great. But fear will incapacitate you when you need to be having capacity and action. Yeah. So it's,
1: well, and that is the marketing trick. That is, that is Trump's brand, is fear, right? I couldn't repeal Obamacare. I cannot secure the border. I haven't built one square inch of the wall. I haven't defunded Planned Parenthood. The debt and deficit are through the roof. Yeah. I mean, if, if you were to look at his presidency, it is to the left in a lot of ways of President Obama's. But if you don't get me, you're going to have a Democrat.
0: And the Democrats and that, on the other side are... He's in league with the Russians, and you know he's corrupt. And there's all these other stories. Oh, he's a fascist. He's, he's a, a fascist. fascist. Right. He's a he's right
1: winger. He's going to take over he's media. He's become a dictator. He's, he's going to become gonna, a dictator. Yeah. He's not going to leave the office, right? So you have these two competing factions yeah. that are just operating on fear. Yeah. And that's why we're so messed up. I wonder what the
0: backlash. <laughs> you know, I, I keep going back to the brand, but what's the backlash going to be? You know, will it be a backlash for the pop? Because I know for a brand, if you abuse your market, you're not true to your customers and you're not faithful to them, eventually they there's a backlash. You pay for that.
1: You know, right now in the country, we are relatively okay economically. People are doing all right. Yeah. And and it's very difficult for people to revolt, sure. right, when, when they're satisfied, when their bellies are full, yeah. when they're distracted. Bread and circuses, yeah. if you, yeah. you know, um, back in Roman times. And so um, – you know it's really difficult in in a first world nation i think to get you know i think it's going it will take an event it will take some kind of event that that kind of rocks people's worlds um, unfortunately when that happens we tend to reach for more government and that's been that's been the trajectory of this country for the past 100 years mm-hmm. that you know after you know these major wars now it can reset you know um and it can happen in a moment. There is a there is a tipping point. I think that sure. that you'll you'll reach that this Trump thing. We were close to that. That's what what is so frustrating for me as a conservative um, with Ted Cruz, and he's disappointed me since you know in in terms mm-hmm. of legislation. But with Ted Cruz, we had a a brilliant strategist, and he was a rock-ribbed conservative, and he was so consistent in his positions, and he demonstrated that he was willing to really stand up to the swamp, Mm -hmm. right, to really go up against Mitch McConnell, not just rhetorically, but in action. And we had – such an, a golden opportunity there to change the narrative and get back to actually talking about substance. I watched Ted Cruz in some of his grassroots uh, speeches, and he would be, he would be shot down. They, you know, they have all the Code Pink people there, and they'd be screaming and yelling with signs. And you know, I saw footage. He invited them up to the stage, and he gave him a microphone. And he engaged in a 20-minute conversation with Code Pink, and by the end, they were willing to vote for him right that, that that is true messaging yeah. that is authentic messaging what we have now is it's all kind of fake mm-hmm. and most of the media that we see today is propaganda so how do we cut through that how do people wake up i don't know i really, i don't know when it will happen or if it will happen i know we're all be and i want to be part of it happening you know sure. you're seeing it's very interesting to keep an eye on justin amash in terms of of marketing and and finding you really looking and seeing a market out there. He has, you know, quit the Republican Party, declared his independence from the the corrupt two party political system, and he's doing quite well. And so, if we can have, if if his example uh, can influence and inspire other Republicans and other Democrats to abandon the parties because that's really what's
0: you can't just have from one side you need yeah, yeah
1: you need it you need it from both sides it's it, listen it's very this is very difficult I often say the Constitution was a miracle the Revolutionary War was a miracle the idea that George Washington had the opportunity to seize the throne and become king and work in tandem with the British monarchy and he declined. He declined. He had the ring of power, right, that he could grasp, that we had men in positions of power, the framers of our Constitution, that had the opportunity to build a system to enrich themselves, and they didn't do it. That was miraculous. And so I do not separate... Uh, redemption in this country, fixing things from revival and and a, a new submission to God, a natural God and a natural order of things, that has to happen. And in, in the present circumstance, I, I don't know that that it will. But He's a powerful God that I worship, and miracles can happen. And so, you know, I just wait and tell the truth and do my show and try to survive as best I can. But.
0: That's excellent. Well, what what advice would you give someone, kind of looking at you, saying, "Okay, I want to build a per- I want to build an audience. I have something on my heart or in my mind that I want to share. I feel strongly about things. I want to build a business around this." What what piece of advice would you give that person?
1: I would say, for, at least for me, I began to feel uneasy in my spirit. When I was I was working in radio sales, making a, a good amount of money, and I was very happy. But I, I felt motivated. What you're you're describing right there. You want to do something more. You want to you want to um, contribute in a in a different way. And so you know, I spent a lot of time in in reflection and in prayer, just thinking like, what do you love? Like what? And you think that that's an easy question to answer, and it's not. It took me about six months because I thought I love shopping. I love makeup. (laughs) I love hair. But do I really love that? Do I, you know? and, And it took me a while of just thinking about, well, what do I love? It really getting into your core and figuring out what you were born to do because I think every one of us. Every one of us is born to do something and be something. And in and, and, and some of those roles, you make billions of dollars and you're, you're super famous. And, and maybe you're a nurse. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe your role is uh, to inspire your kids in homeschool. I mean, everybody has something that they're meant to do. So I think, you know, doing that kind of introspective work for me it involved a lot of prayer as well. Um, and then, you know, showing up. The, the next step, it, it, putting it into words and and showing up. For me, I, I went to a tea party event. And mm. that's where I met the owner of the radio station. And, okay. I, and, I, and I volunteered for Bill Nojay's political campaign.
0: Mm.
1: And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how to do it. I knew so I wanted to do something. You didn't have a
0: big plan. I
1: didn't have a big plan. But I just began to show up in places where I knew other things were happening. Mm. And that then opened the door to you know, starting the radio program, and so I think that sometimes we try we try to push ourselves into these directions and and make it fit this way. And I tend to float like a feather. I tend to you know you know let things go I, I, their natural course, but always leverage that wherever it's going, leveraging it to to grow my you know personally and also with my business. So I'd say you know just show up, you know figure out what you love, and. And then the third thing for me that has been critically important has been to not worry about the outcome hmm. only worry about the process okay and I used to get very stressed, even when I was in sales, if I, you know, I wasn't going to make the quota and I wasn't going to make enough money. And and what if this didn't happen? It's like if competitive it's nature, very, too, It's It's right? yeah. very competitive. And then I would look at people who were getting ahead of me, and they were not always doing the most honest things. And they were kind of cutting corners here. And I'm like, well, I have to do it the right way because I'm a Christian and I have like certain standards. I can't lie to Pete, you know. And so you go through all this turmoil. And I remember it, there was one moment, I, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in my cubicle, and I remember thinking, To myself, and it was probably the Lord saying, "Listen, if you show up every day, and you work as hard as you can, and you tell the truth, and you do the right thing, and you always strive to be better, and if you do all of those things every single day, and you make it a habit, you know, you don't cut corners, you do the best, and if you do that, you are going to be fine. Mm. The outcome will take care of itself." And if the outcome doesn't take care of itself, then you can find something else to do. But so for me, I worry about the process. I I know that if I study and if I put out a good product every day and I do the best I can and I honor my business contracts and my business relationships and I protect them and, and I operate in that fashion, the outcome will be okay. And that's proved to be 100% true. That yeah. was about 10 years ago that okay. I had that little internal discussion. and. Time and time and time again, everything has always worked out to my benefit. You know, I have only grown since that time. So I would say those three things, if I were to give, I know it's a little bit fluffy. It's not really businessy, but a lot of business is personal.
0: It absolutely is. It's
1: you. It's you you putting yourself out there every day and engaging in relationships with all these different people. And for me, it should be fun and inspiring and good. It doesn't have to be a drag, you know, go out there and do what you love and do the best you can and everything else will work out.
0: My guest today has been Shannon Joy. She is the executive producer, host of the Shannon Joy show. Shannon, thanks so much for being on The Currency with me today.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, a little cathartic. A... I haven't talked about the business aspect in a <laughs> while. And has fantastic. And, um, you know, but I, I really appreciate you having me. It's been really fun.
0: Well, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for taking the time. Guys, make sure to check out Shannon's show. She's on 1180 WHAM. That's out of Rochester, New York, Monroe County. Uh, the show is on, is that at 9 or 9.30? 9,
1: 9 p.m. Eastern time. 9 pm till Eastern. 10. So one hour every day.
2: Monday
0: through Friday.
1: Monday through Friday.
0: Yep. And you can also check out the website. Just go to the Shannon Joy, You can follow her on Twitter as well. Just go to at Shannon Joy Radio. Guys, if you haven't already, do me a favor and subscribe to the show. I love talking to people like Shannon. We do this every week. I think you'll love it. Just go to uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher Radio, Spotify, anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. Hit that subscribe button. Throw me a few stars if you enjoy the show as well. I really appreciate that. That helps the show do well. And until next time, please know I love you all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.